0: Good morning. You folks, we, we were just saying up here, we feed off of you. Y'all are so such an exciting group. I mean, you're just really just, you know, greeting each other and everything. We just, we love it up here. Um, welcome. If you are a guest, and I did meet a few guests, and I understand there's a few more that I didn't get to meet, if you would please fill out this part of your bulletin and rip it off and drop it in the offering plate when it comes around, we'd appreciate it. Um, and then if you'll read the bulletin, read what it has to say about upcoming events. You know, we got to where we, there's so many things happening, we can't announce them all, um, but we do want you to know our senior ministry is continuing in the summer. You can read about their ice cream social coming up. Uh, and then of course, Wednesday nights, um, I was telling the first service that summer is already over because I saw the first commercial for Walmart for back to school. Can you believe that already? Which means in about two weeks, they'll be advertising Christmas. Those of you right back here, in the first service I was preaching and about four lights went pop, So all of you were in the dark. That's why you're in the dark, your lights went out. Um, All right. Well, let's stand and welcome somebody around you to church.
1: my joy through
2: And so on, but it's a great song. You like
1: this one, don't you? He we take up our offering today, I pray that you will bless those that give today, and you will provide the needs for your people, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Let's stand this morning together. Come on now, I know you can do it. (laughs) I think the hardest part about loving is forgiving, don't you? I really do. Um, And I'm just going to let you all know at one time this thing right here, I had my chihuahuas with me, and we were having a good time. They were in their double stroller, and they didn't want to go, and I did. So it kind of was one of those, you know. And I went down, and I broke my elbow really bad. But, you know, God is good. Could have been a lot worse. I've been through surgery. I'm on the road to recovery. I love Jesus. Don't you love him? I mean, and I love him now more than ever. If I could tell you the testimony of the hospital and how God got me to where I went, it's amazing in today's medical world. Because you know that things are blocked all along the way. And I just went like that and went to the specialist and got it all done and so if you would keep praying for me, I'd appreciate that. You know, as I told the first service, you never know how important prayers are until you're the recipient. So when people ask you to pray, really do it. (laughs) And I love Jesus and we're going to sing about that right now and I hope you do too. Old things have passed
1: away, but Your love has stayed the same. Your
2: constant grace remains. The core.
3: the lover of my soul when my soul wasn't worth loving the one who felt I felt worthless and yet you loved me even where I was at God this morning we pray that your word would go forth this morning and we would understand what that word love really means Father that we would understand what true love looks like that that you had your son lay his life down on the cross for our sins. Father, use our pastor this morning, let the word go forth so that our lives will not be the same when we walk out of here today. We pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, here we are again. You know, it really is exciting uh, for us up here to see such a full house in the summer. I mean, this is awesome. I mean, you know, most churches go through like they call it a summer slump. And and we just came to seem to be growing uh, through that. So we just thank you so much for choosing to be here. And we hope and pray, of course, that you get a blessing uh, for having been here with us. I started a series last week on the words from the cross. Jesus made seven separate statements when he was hanging on the cross, and we're gonna look at four of those in this series. Last Sunday, we talked about the uh, word of assurance, of, of knowing for sure that you're going to be going to heaven, and we had a great response to that. In fact, we had 35 people. We had 23 in the first service and 12 in this one, who came forward to give their life to Christ last Sunday, and we just thank God for that. Um, we, the, uh, in, in case you may never known this, the first uh, three things that Jesus said from the cross had to do about other people. The second, the four, the last four, had to do more about himself, what he came to do and was going to do um, through the cross. Um, so this week, we're going to look at that word of love. And I, there is no way in all the years of reading the Bible and the untold times that I've read it through that this story does not just grip me. To me, this may be one of the most touching stories in the Bible. I mean, if you can read this and know what all that was happening and it not bring tears to your eyes, um, That would be tough for me to be able to do. But what I'd like to do is is look at this word of love. And Jesus says this word to his mother, Mary, who is standing at the foot of the cross and to his best friend, John, the disciple. You know, a lot of people, when you see pictures of Jesus on the cross, it has him way, way up and people are having to look way up to see him. Well, that's not how they did it. The crucifixion would be only four to about maybe the most 18 inches off the ground. So people were right there at his almost eye level watching what was going on. So let me explain to you briefly the scene uh, that probably many of you have never heard it in this kind of an order. Jesus has been up all night. He's gone through six trials. Three of them were religious trials. Three of them were Roman trials. All of them were illegal because it was against the law to hold a a hearing or court at night. So what were they doing and why did they do it? They're trying to railroad him into the crucifixion as fast as they can. Now, during those trials and afterwards, they beat him mercilessly. Folks, we're talking about beating with the fist. We're talking about doing everything they can to to uh, hurt him. It it tells us in one place they took the big scepter that they gave to him as a big stick, and they were beating him over the head with that. Um, And then, of course, they scourged him, and that means that 351 times they laid his back open, had a cat of nine tails, and they beat him 39 times. You do the math, be 351, and it just it would lay you open. In fact the huge majority of people died because of the scourging. They never made it to the crucifixion, although the Romans would still crucify them because it was to be humiliating and embarrassing to that person. So even if they died during the scourging, they would still nail them on a cross for everybody to look at, and like this is what happens if you break our Roman law. All right. So they nail them to the cross, and... The crowd is shouting insults at him the whole time. Everybody's left him. None of the disciples show up at the cross except one, and that's the one we'll read about, John, the beloved disciple. Uh, They've all run away for fear of of being arrested, uh, and a lot of women. Ladies, to your credit, a lot of women showed up at the foot of the cross, and we'll talk about why uh, that was allowed uh, later in the sermon. Now, we know... um, We don't know exactly how many women were there, but we know there were a lot of Marys, as we'll read. There was at least three Marys there um, and other ladies that that are mentioned. And Jesus looks in this scene now, and you can imagine he does not even look human, folks. He is beaten beyond description. He looks down at his mother and his best friend, and he totally ignores the crowd. And in the quietness of that Moment, he gives us that third statement from the cross. And here it is, John 19, in your notes up on the screen. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple, that's John, whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, Here is your son, pointing, of course, at John. And to the disciple, to John, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple, the one that's writing it, said he took her into his home. Now, tradition tells us that Mary lived 12 years after this scene. Joseph has evidently already died. She is a widow. She's now going to be living with the disciple of John, the one that Jesus loved. And there he is, and and can you you hear it? You know, hearing him saying like, Mother, here's John. He's going to be your new son. And John, this is your mom. I'm asking you to take care of her. I mean, that just does something to me. I mean, and and when we learn from these simple words what it really means, I'm hoping this will become even more um, sensitive but intense for you. So, if we want to learn to love like Jesus did, there's a couple of things that we need to do, and we're going to be talking today about how to learn, how to, learn to love like Jesus, and then what does Jesus like to do for us when we're in pain. All right, are you ready? All right, if I'm going to learn to love like Jesus, the first thing that I must do is care, because see, we're going to be making a, we're be making application. Everything we talk about that Jesus did, I'm going to try to apply it to us today. So the first thing would be, you got to learn to care for your own family. And this is what Jesus is doing. Folks, love is something you do. Amen? It's not just something you say. It is an action. And in the middle of all this pain and him hanging on the cross... Jesus does three things to show his love for his family, especially his mother. These are the same three things that I would encourage you to do for your family. Number one, love pays attention. Love pays attention. He paid attention to his grieving mother who is standing there at the foot of the cross. You know, we've all seen these movies where uh, there's this commotion going on. There's a giant crowd and all the talking and the hubbub and everything. And you know, and all of a sudden there's these two people and they lock eyes. You've seen those? That kind of movie. Hallmark probably got a lot of them. But anyway, there's there's a man and a woman and all of a sudden their eyes meet and it's like everything around them just disappears and there's nothing else important. I'm always reminded of the last scene of Crocodile Dundee. Remember that? Y'all remember that one where they're in the big subway and she's way over here and he's way over here and they're trying to get to each other, but all they can see <clears throat> is one another. Well, that's what's happening in this moment. <clears throat> Jesus is dying on the cross. He ignores all this multitude that are mocking him, that are scoffing at him, criticizing him, insulting him, and it's like a laser in the middle of all of that on his mom and he gives her his attention. Folks, attention is one of the greatest gifts you can give somebody. Amen, ladies? All right. You're you're welcome to comment, ladies, as we go along. (laughs) It is far more important than money. The greatest thing that you can give your family, I believe, is your attention. Because when you give them your attention, you're giving them your time, and you're giving them your life. Your time is your life. You know, we we can always make more money, but you can't get more time. So when you pay attention to somebody, when you're you're willing to look them in the eye and and just really give them all of your focus and you say, look, I'm listening, you matter to me, you're valuable to me, and you treat them with that kind of respect. In fact, to me, another word for attention is respect. So this first act of love is Jesus noticing his mom and he pays attention. Now, I told you a while ago about the women at the cross. One of the reasons why the women could get close to the cross when all these disciples fled, of course, feared that they would be arrested. But in those days, they didn't pay much attention to women. Women didn't have many rights at all. And if you were a widow or or single at that time, unmarried, you were kind of lowest of the low. So these Roman guards would have probably paid no attention to all the women standing at the cross because they didn't consider them worthy of attention. And I'm telling you that to say this. Jesus, on the other hand, always raised the status of women. He is the first one to do that. I mean, all this talk today about it, folks. Jesus is the one that went against all the culture of that day to give women prominent places. And to, and to lift them up in front of other people. So keep that in your mind. Um, Exodus twenty twelve, honor your father and mother. Anybody see a statute of limitations on that? Anybody? No, there's not. In other words, you don't just honor them as long as you're living at home. It says you honor them as long as you're alive. And that doesn't mean that you agree maybe with everything they did. But as I've told you before, it means you at least acknowledge they gave you life. And you can you can honor them for that, not necessarily always the way they treated you. Because I know a lot of people don't treat their kids that well. But my question then would be, do you need to pay more attention to your family? How many little kids have I seen over the years? Um, and I'm sure you moms and dads, you've maybe witnessed this where, you know, if you're sitting there and you're doing something, and you got little toddlers especially, maybe they're two, three, or even four. Uh, after that, they usually don't care. But usually, when they're little old kids like that, and they come up to you and say, Daddy, you're reading a paper. You ever had them come up and they push the paper down and say, Daddy, look at me. Mommy, or they? I've seen them do this, take them by the face. Look at me. You know, what, what, is the, what are they doing? They're saying, pay attention to me. Why? Because love pays attention. The second thing that love does, it provides for people's needs. Love provides for needs. I like what one person pointed out to me in this. This was Jesus' last will and testament. That's the last thing he did, it was his last will and testament. What is that? Providing for his mother. Now, as I said, Joseph died years earlier. We know Joseph was not his father, right? God, the Holy Spirit, was his father. Uh, Joseph was his stepdad. But folks, are you listening? Mary was his mother. Amen? And Jesus knows that Mary is getting older. We don't know how old exactly. She's poor. She's a widow. She's going to need to be cared for. So he says, John, I want you to take care of my mom. And mom, let my best friend take care of you. Jesus had nothing to give his mother. He he had no inheritance. He had no money to give her. He didn't have a home that he could leave her. He himself is homeless. He doesn't even have a bunch of clothes to give her because they were the only clothes he had. They were gambling for it at the foot of the cross. That's all he had. So what does he do? He gives her something better He gives her the greatest thing, the greatest gift ever, and that is care for the rest of her life, giving her care. And he takes the person that he trusts the most and takes the woman that he loves the most, his mother, and he says, y'all take care of each other. I think that's great. That just, you know, to me, I could end there, give an invitation and ask all you guys and ladies and men to, hey, get it together. You know, start loving one another. I do want to say this. I know a lot of people of you come from different spiritual backgrounds, but I do need, I think I need to clarify this. Jesus knows that his mother Mary is only human, Mary is not divine. Okay? Jesus did not pray to Mary, he did not look down and say, Mother Mary, please get me off the cross. And by the way, it was the nails that held him there because of his love, because of his love for us. So you say, well, what does that have to do with us? Well, the Bible tells me and you that we are to provide for the needs of our family and to pay attention. All right, let's, let's read some things. 1 Timothy 5, 3, 4. Show respect for widows who really are all alone. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn first to carry out their religious duties. Notice that? That caring for your family is a religious duty? Did you, not, did you notice that? All right. Then he says, they are to care for each other and in this way repay their parents and grandparents because that is what pleases God. Do you want to please God? It starts at home. That's what he's saying here. It doesn't start here at the church. Christ-like love begins in your own family, taking care of your family. You know, we, my family and I had three older sisters and an older brother. Uh, I'm the youngest of five. We um, started out our uh, family journey out in the woods in Red Level, if you all know where that's at. But in 1955, we moved to the metropolis of Crystal River. <laughs> and uh, inside the city limits, you know, maybe... Two or three hundred yards from downtown, and and all of that, and and mom and dad, they they were going to have to build a house, and they built a an old cracker wooden frame house, no brick, no cement, nothing, just a wood frame house. You remember those? They set on blocks about that high off the ground, and my dad, and I never even thought about this. It just it was what it, it was what it was, but when I became older and a and a grown man, and I started thinking. That was quite something. But what my dad did was he had built a little room for his mother-in-law to be able to move in. My, my mother's mother stayed there with us till she died. Twenty feet away from our house was my other grandmother, his mother, where she lived. And we took care of her. I mowed her yard. Daddy took care of anything that needed fixing in her house. So we just kind of grew up that family was family. You know, and it, it, an extended family, and you, you took care of them. 1 Timothy 5 8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Some, some uh, translations say worse than an infidel. I mean, really, it says that if you're not taking care of your older parents, you're worse than an atheist. That's pretty clear. I I didn't say that, but that's how important love is. Amen? Love starts at home with your family, even the ones you're mad at. Here's the third thing that the Lord Jesus did with Mary that you need to do to, to love like him. Not only do we give that physical help, but they need emotional support. Emotional support. Again, to me, this is one of the most tender scenes in Scripture. Mary is watching her son, ladies, you you alone probably, and and the daddies, but especially the mamas that carried those babies, watching that son be tortured. I mean, and and, and what he must have looked like. And I want to share with you, For just give me about three minutes, I want to share with you something that I've never done like this before, but I want to take you in order of, of Mary's life, of what it would have been like. Can you imagine the emotional baggage and the pain and the suffering that Mary had to go through most all of her entire life, simply by being the mother of Jesus? In the first place, let's go all the way back, she had an unexplainable birth. Now, folks, they didn't have the Bible. They couldn't read. They didn't know about the Holy Spirit. They didn't know that this was a virgin that was, and, and Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know all that. And so here's Mary, and obviously at some point she began to show. And so unless she hid in a cave, probably there were people, and Mary said, oh, yeah, okay, you've noticed it. Let me just tell you that uh, I am going to have a baby, but I've never been with a man. Oh, right, Mary. (laughs) Not seriously. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And then, well, and and not only that, but an angel saw me and came to me and and said, this baby is going to be the son of God. Oh, wow. Somebody put her away. I mean, really, think about that. I mean, would you, if, if you didn't know all that stuff, would you believe that? No, we wouldn't. So the, I believe that there's this illegitimate cloud that is kind of hanging over this pregnancy the whole time. And once the baby is born, you still with me? Once Jesus is born, and um, at the end of the first week, she and Joseph take the baby Jesus to Jerusalem to the temple to be dedicated, Right? Okay, what happens there? This old man named Simeon, a prophet, comes out, and he takes that little baby in his arms, and he starts telling Mary about all that that b- baby's going to go through. You know, he's setting himself up for a fall. He's going to suffer. He's going to go through all this the bad things that he had to deal with. And then says this, and by the way, Mary, a sword's going to pierce you too. The sorrow for, for what you're going to see your son go through, you're going to go through it too. I mean, can you imagine, ladies, that only a mother could probably understand that kind of suffering, but that's what was going on here. So your son, your firstborn child is only eight days old, and you're already being told he's going to live a life of suffering, and so are you. The next thing that I see, Jesus is not even two years old yet. And there's this man named King Herod, and he puts out this order, I want you to go to that whole Bethlehem area, the whole area, and kill every boy that is two years and under. Because they say there's going to be a Messiah, and I don't want any competition for my crown. So they take this baby Jesus and run to Egypt. Is you she with me still, all this is going on. And then when he comes back, thankfully, there should have been about 18 or so, 20 years where maybe things were fairly normal, but at, when he hit the age of 30 and he started his ministry, then all the religious people of the day started turning against him. You can't read the gospel accounts without almost every other chapter it talking about the Pharisees and them wanting to kill him or find something that they can use against him to turn everybody against him. And about 31, 32 years old, he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth and he's doing miracles there. Not many, it says, because they didn't want to believe in him, but he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth and he announces and in the synagogue makes it plain to them that he is the son of God. You know what they did? They got so mad at him, so frustrated these are his friends, families that he grew up with. They took him out to the edge of Nazareth, a big cliff, and was going to push him off of it to kill him can you imagine what now what's mary thinking all these people we grew up with i've had them people in my home i've been in their home you know we've shared meals together what you know what is going on here and they got mad at him of course tried to kill him so mary's got all that in her background and now she's watching him tortured as a criminal and already beaten beyond recognition hanging on a cross it's gory it's gruesome It's a bloody death. She's at the foot. His hands are nailed to the cross. His feet are nailed to the cross. And Mary's heart is nailed. She's pierced through just like Simeon said she would be. What about me and you? The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, friends love through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. Any of you that have been a parent or are a parent, you know that it involves good times, right? And bad times. It's, it's both of it. Good sorrow and joy. There's times, you know, when you just love your kids to death, and there's other times you want to wring their neck, right? That's, that's the way it is. And I know people all the time that get upset that the Bible teaches very clearly that the husband is to be the head of the home, the leader of the family. I know that. And they get mad because they say, oh, no, no, it should be all about equality. May I say to you kindly, it has nothing to do with equality. It has to do with positioning and the role that God gave me to play and you to to play. Can I just ask you this question? Are men and women of equal value? Absolutely. The Bible teaches that better than any book. But we have different positions and different roles to play. Do you know what, guys, I want you to hear this. Do you know what it means to be the leader of the home? You heard it here. And, ladies, you can use this later. (laughs) You know what it means to be the leader of the home? It means you get to sacrifice the most. You get to sacrifice the most. Nowhere did Jesus ever say, wives, Give your lives for your husbands. But he does say, husbands, be willing to give your life for your wife. Amen? And not by being a manipulator and not by being an abuser, they're to lead by sacrificing the most. Amen. All right, quickly. Oh, got to go quickly. Two. Number two, I also have to treat my other believers as my family. That's the second major point. Have you ever heard the saying, blood is thicker than water? You ever heard that? But let me tell you something. As I read the Bible, there's something even thicker than blood, and that is the spiritual bond that's going to last for eternity. No physical family, folks, really lasts. People grow up, they move away, you know, take the grandkids. That's why a lot of you are going to visit them and and stuff all the time, and that's wonderful. But they they move away, so the family's not all together. People die. Uh, There's divorce sometimes that separates people. No family unit lasts forever. Your relationship to your physical family is not going to last. But listen to me, your relationship to every other believer is going to last forever. Do you know that one time when Jesus had a huge crowd and he's doing all these miracles in a house and it was just packed, hundreds, probably thousands of people and his family, his mother and family was outside and somebody got the message into Jesus, hey, your mom and family, your brothers are outside, they wanna talk to you? Let me read to you what Jesus said in Matthew 12. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Wow. Church members. You know, I was telling the first service that I remember years ago when I first started out, we called each other in church, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. You ever done that? I mean, it was brother John, brother Mike, whatever it was. And we've kind of gotten away from that. Might be a good tradition to bring back. Here's another one. First Timothy five, do not rebuke an older man that's talking about in the church, but appeal to him as your father. Treat the younger men as brothers, treat the older women as mothers, and treat the younger women as sisters. You know, I've I've got a lot of spiritual brothers and sisters. A lot of you, you're my spiritual brother and sister. The only thing I don't have that makes me sad in this church, I don't have any spiritual mother. And the reason is because I can't find a lady that'll admit she's old enough to be my mama. All right? That's, That's why. So I guess I won't have it. Now, listen, this is such an important point here. As I told you before, Jesus had half, we know he had at least four half-brothers, and uh, he had two at least two sisters, and the Bible even tells us their names in another place. But it's interesting to me that not one of them, now listen, all these, not once did Jesus say, Mary, Mom, other brothers and sisters are going to take care of you. Why? You ever thought about that? They should have been the ones. I mean, there's four others. Why? I'll tell you why. It, it, it really, it, when you think about it, it's because according to John 7, none of them believed he was the son of God yet. None of them believed. So the spiritual bond to Jesus was stronger than the physical bond. And it was, John, I want you to, because I know, John, you're a believer, and you need to be there for her. That's going to be a stronger relationship. Now, they did, as far as we know, at least James and uh, probably, I, I hope they all did, but came to know Christ and started believing that, yes, after, but it was after the resurrection when all that happened. Galatians 6.10, whenever we have the opportunity to help anyone, we should do it, but we should give special attention to, to those who belong to the family of believers. It's a great verse. That's why we try with our family care ministry to start here. You know, do we have needs here? Do we have people that we need to help here? He he makes that very plain. While you're helping your extended family, you know, we're going to try to help you when we can and you need it. All right, um, third thing thing we learned is I need to see other people's pain even when I'm in pain. See others' pain even when I'm in pain. Be, did Jesus do that? Oh boy, did he. You know, did he ever. You may be saying, look, Jesus, things aren't going good in, in my life right now. And I'm in a pain, maybe physical, maybe emotional. But folks, Jesus was going through that. And in his dying moments, He did not just focus on himself. And I don't know about you, but that is not normal for me. When I'm in pain, you know, when I've had the severe back pain or the kidney stones or whatever it may be, when I'm in that kind of pain, I'm just going to be honest and tell you, I ain't thinking about you. (laughs) I'm I'm not. I'm not laying there thinking, oh, I wonder what the church is doing right now. Uh Uh-uh. No, I want relief. But I look at this, and even Jesus, in excruciating pain, is looking for other people to help. 1 Peter 4, since Christ suffered and underwent pain, you must have the same attitude he did. What was that? You must be ready to suffer too. But remember, when your body suffers, sin loses its power. It's been through the hard times, folks. It's been through the pain It's been through the bad diagnosis. It's been through all those things that I feel like I've gotten much closer to Jesus. And pain will do that. You know that? And those things that you have a hard time kicking, that sin that so easily besets us, the Bible says, it doesn't have near the pull it used to when you're going through pain yourself. Number four, I must meet others' needs even when mine aren't met meet other people's needs, even when mine aren't met. When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say, look, I am in so much pain. I'm just, it's too, I can't help you right now. We'll we'll talk about this later. I can't, I can't do it right now. Listen, follow me real quickly. The most important task, the most important job, the most important assignment, the most important goal ever in the history of the universe, Jesus was doing at that moment, paying for the sins of all of mankind. There is nothing that you will do or I will do that is ever more important than what Jesus did on the cross. And yet he took time for his family. So don't tell me that your purposes or your plans are more important and you don't have time for the relationship thing. Jesus said, look, That's not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, I would have said, "Uh, excuse me, being crucified here, you know, give me a break. He didn't do that. He looked down and he saw a need and even in his pain, he said, I'll take care of that. Folks, what I'm teaching you today is the exact opposite of this world. Their values would teach you the exact opposite The world teaches you, and what it teaches you is a lie. That you're more important than anything or anybody. Your work is more significant. And the higher up you may be in whatever profession you are, you don't need to pay attention to the people around you. Baloney. Man, it's those people around you. You know, I've told people before, you let the garbage people go on strike. See how much that bothers you compared to the airline pilots. Anyway, Romans 15. Every one of us needs to look after the good of people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? When's the last time you asked that? What I'm telling you is this. Please maybe remember this phrase. Look for Jesus disguised as hurting people. Look for Jesus disguised as as hurting people you can see the four things in your notes there that Jesus cares about you you can see those four things but if you want God's best in your life you've got to get close to the Lord Jesus because are you listening one last time every need in this room can be answered at the foot of the cross everyone let's pray Would you pray in your heart, dear Lord? You know the pain that I'm going through. Whether it's physical or emotional. And I have to admit it hasn't made me think much about other people. But I would learn to love to learn to love like you. Please help me to start with my own family. And help me to do it with also my church family. With mine are not being met I'm going to ask you to stand and let's sing that chorus as we close together Jesus, we love you. Yeah.
1: Oh, how-
0: God bless y'all. Have a great, great Sunday afternoon.